Welcome to Powerful, the podcast. Powerful, optimistic women evolving relentlessly for uplifting lives. This podcast will discuss powerful topics regarding unspoken conversations that we usually shy away from on public platforms. Welcome to Powerful, the podcast. Powerful, optimistic women evolving relentlessly for uplifting lives. This podcast will discuss powerful topics regarding unspoken conversations that we usually shy away from on public platforms. Welcome to Powerful, the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Shalonda Carlisle, and we have Dr. Bianca Bulling. And today our episode is Health is Wealth. I don't know if many of you know that the March month is National Nutrition Month. You know, so we decided that it will probably be a good episode to let individuals know about, you know, healthy food choices and developing healthy eating habits. And so we have a wonderful guest, Miss Rebecca Bagwell. Ms. Rebecca Bagwell is a registered dietitian nutritionist. Rebecca serves as a pediatric dietitian at the Mississippi Center for Advanced Medicine and is an integral part of the Pediatric Endocrinology and Pediatric Metabolic Medicine Program. She also works with pediatric allergy, pediatric cardiology, and maternal fetal medicine patients. Patients referred to MCAM by community providers. Ms. Bagwell holds a Bachelor's of Science in Family and Community Science from Delta State University and a Bachelor's of Science in Food, Nutrition, and Dietetics from Mississippi State University. Rebecca is a registered dietitian nutritionist and a licensed dietitian in Mississippi. Rebecca believes that a solid foundation in nutrition is key to good health and is passionate about developing a healthy relationship with food early in life. Prior to joining MCAM, Rebecca served as a clinical dietitian at Mississippi Baptist Medical Center and a consultant dietitian for nutrition systems. Rebecca has served on the board of Northwest District Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics as a president, the Mississippi Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics as professional development chair, and the board of the Junior Auxiliary of Madison County. In her spare time, she enjoys sewing, playing, tennis, traveling, and spending time with her family. Let's welcome Ms. Rebecca Bagwell. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. So our first question that we have, could you explain to the audience what is actually a registered dietitian nutritionist? So registered dietitian nutritionist are individuals who work with, of course, healthy eating and plan out menus. We work in a wide variety of fields in healthcare. To get to be a registered dietitian nutritionist, we have to hold a bachelor's degree and we participate in a internship that is accredited with ASCEND. And then we have to take a nationwide exam. Our 
you know, bachelor's degree is very heavy in nutrition. So all of our classes are, you know, nutrition based. And so our internship is um, 1200 hours of supervised practice. So it takes a while. So we, we have studied and we have worked in the field and are nutrition experts. And so there's a wide variety of jobs available for dietitians from, you know, public health to the private sector to the geriatric population. So there's a lot that we can do. Wow. It sounds like a very lot that you can do. Okay. So let's just get into this. So we thought about some great questions that not my only myself wanted to know the answer to, but a lot of people in the community in our audience, you know, may want to know the answer to. So one of the questions are, what are some health disparities you see amongst different cultural backgrounds? You know, health disparities, they are preventable differences in the burden of disease, injury, violence, or opportunities to achieve optimal health that are experienced by socially disadvantaged populations. We have tons in the state of Mississippi, and, you know, it's very sad to see because different things that can affect this are, you know, your race, your socioeconomic status, your gender, your disability, your finances, and your education levels. So some of the things I kind of wrote down some of these statistics that I pulled from the health department's report on health disparities and, you know, just going in with, we can focus in on like obesity, for example, just between African-Americans and the white population, you know, African-Americans do have a higher prevalence of obesity, um, hypertension, stroke, diabetes, renal disease. HIV and AIDS, cancer, homicide, and infant mortality rate compared to the Caucasian community. Like a specific example of obese, 43.7% of African Americans are obese compared to the 31% Caucasians in the state. 37.2% of Mississippi women are obese compared to 339 percent of Mississippi men. That's what I am focusing on in my job right now is trying to combat obesity and childhood obesity because it's, I mean, it's detrimental to our health. That's a couple of the health disparities. And of course, you know, whether your education level and your finances, they can really play, a, have an impact on those disparities for us. Why do you think that it is higher in the African-American population? I think a lot of it is, you know, the poverty level, the education level, and then, of course, food deserts that we do have in the state and the access to health care and to healthy foods. I've lived in the Delta and, you know, it's very poverty stricken there and it's also a food desert and even a healthcare desert becoming one now. And, you know, it's just the access to nutritious foods plays a huge part in that. And I, I remember growing up, you know, nutrition was not something that was a forefront in my household. It was more about seasoning. It was more about, are you full? So if my, my grandmother, one of my, my grandmothers, when she would fix food because she was so used to a household of men, she would get me two pieces of pork chop, two sides, a bread, 
and we had to have something to drink. It would be either sweet tea or juice. But in our family, that was not something that was we were educated on, as I remember in my childhood. I remember in school that we had more nutritional options, but I don't remember being educated on the importance of making sure, you know, we watch our cholesterol or we watch our intake. I don't remember us having those type of conversations in my household. Right. So a lot of times now what I see in my own practice is parents are still teaching the a clean plate is a happy plate. <laughs> and, okay. Right. So they, you know, or they're starving children in other countries, you know, be thankful that you have food to eat kind of thing. And I see a lot too that parents are just providing huge portions to the children. And so when I show them what an actual portion of a certain food looks like, they're like, oh, I'm giving them triple that and making them eat it. (laughs) And so it's just the culture of, you know, cleaning your plate. I bought this food and I don't want it to go to waste, too, plays a part in that. I've been guilty of that with my own kids of, hey, I spent this much money at the grocery store. We have to use this food. I don't want it to go to waste. And so we'll cook a bunch of stuff at one meal and we won't need it. (laughs) And then of course, you know, it's just making sure that we are providing correct portions to our children and, you know, to ourselves as adults. A lot of women also feel when they cook, they feel appreciated when the food is fully eaten and nothing is left on the plate. Exactly. It's, Um, it's, It's a way to show you know, appreciation for the hard work of cooking in the kitchen. Correct. When you don't clean your plate, then it's taken as you didn't like it, was wrong, while wasting my time, or you wasting food, like you said before. What are some of the best foods to implement on a daily basis to combat diseases such as diabetes, cholesterol, and high blood pressure? Fruits, vegetable, whole grains, and then lean meats, and then low-fat, non-fat dairy products. You know, we have, when we were growing up, we had the My Food Pyramid, and they have replaced that now with the My Plate. And so it's a visual that shows that you need a standard nine-inch plate, and it has the different, the five different food groups, so fruits, vegetables, whole grains, protein, and dairy. And so it's really about moderation and making the healthier choices. So limiting added sugars, limiting saturated fat, limiting trans fats, making sure that we're eating a balanced diet with the correct portion sizes. So, you know, once you are diagnosed with like diabetes or hypertension or heart disease, we have different diets like carb counting, the DASH diet, which is the dietary approaches, uh, the dietary approaches to stop hypertension, and then the Mediterranean diet. And all of those incorporate low sodium options, fruits and vegetables, healthy fats, lean meats, and then low fat, non-fat dairy products on those. So really it's just about moderation and portion control of the different food groups. Do you think that we are feeding 
because we think that we're feeding our families nutritional items. You know, we have organic, we have food markets and fresh markets, and we assume that these items are nutritional. Do you think that we're doing, I know with the obesity obesity rates and um, the different health disparities that they can continue to increase, but do you think that is still a lack of knowledge of what actually nutritional items are? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I will have patients come in and the parents will be so excited that they have started feeding their kids like Nutri-Grain bars, for example. And just because it says Nutri in the title of the bar, they're like, it's healthy, right? But whenever I sit down with them and I'm like, hey, let's look at this food label and, you know, really see if it's healthy and try to teach them how to read a food label, they realize, oh my goodness, I've been feeding them things that are not healthy. And looking... It go into a food label and looking at it is important to, you know, number one, look at the serving size so that, you know, hey, this is the amount because a lot of foods, you know, have two and three servings in that one package. And so people think the whole package is a serving, whereas a lot of times it's three and four servings. Mm -hmm. And so just making sure that you are eating the correct portion size, look at the calorie amount, look at the saturated fat amount, look at the trans fat amount. Diabetic, you want to pay attention to total carbohydrates, not grams of sugar, because total carbohydrates includes that number. You know, it is important to teach people how to read a food label, to know, you know, certain ingredients, what that actually is, because, you know, a lot of times I'll have people who will be looking at stuff and thinking that it's healthy, like take MSG for Example, I recently had a person who came to me and like they were telling me that they have been doing low sodium and that they feel like they're really doing better with it. But when we looked at the she was telling me the food she was eating, I was like, let's look at those labels. And so we pulled up the nutrition labels and they were full of MSG, which is a sodium. It's a salt. It's just there is a lack of knowledge as far as nutrition. And, you know, marketing play huge role in that organic, like you said, for example, organic is not always truly organic. There are still approved herbicides and pesticides that they are able to use. Um, The farmers are. And so it's not truly organic. And then of course, there are products that are marketed towards diabetes friendly And it'll say no sugar added, yet there's still carbohydrates in there. So just because it says no sugar added or sugar free doesn't mean that it's carbohydrate free. And so there's just a lack of knowledge of knowing how to read the food labels and choose the healthier options. And Rebecca, you made a good point uh, with the sugar. I'm looking at, I was trying to be intentional about not having so much sugar in my diet, but I was not aware that sugar has different names. Trose, I think that's how you say it correctly, but it's different sugar names. So you're thinking because it don't say sugar mm-hmm. that you're not having sugar, but that's not actually the case. Correct, correct. So, I mean, you have like the 
sugar alcohols like sorbitol. And then you have, you know, regular plain table sugar, but there's also the other types of sugars, uh, fructose, sucralose, all of those. And people just don't know that. I wish that we could get more nutrition education into the schools early age so that, you know, we can teach people these things. Rebecca, to piggyback off of the carbohydrates, in my practice of orthopedics and getting patients ready for surgery, part of the process is to run their lab work, check their A1C, check their blood pressure, and so forth. And many of them would have A1Cs greater than 7. 7 is considered controlled diabetes, Mm -hmm. but many of them would be maybe 8 or 10. And when I ask them about their diet, I find that many of them are consuming carbohydrates. And they say, well, I didn't know that was a carbohydrate. Some of the foods do not come with food labels and some do. And I would always tell them if it's, if it's white, it's not right. (laughs) Meaning if anything is made with flour, sugar, rice, most things that are white are carbohydrate, whether it is made with it or whether it looks like it, mashed potatoes. And many of them would say, oh, I didn't know I shouldn't be eating that. And I said, have you ever been to a dietitian? Well, yeah, but I didn't know I shouldn't eat this. How do we bring more awareness into also reading the food labels, but also recognizing the foods that are not best for us? So that's one thing that I've seen a lot of is the lack of the education on the actual carbohydrates. I also work with gestational diabetes patients and, um, you know, they'll be told if it's white, it's not right. And, um, you know, it's just, it goes back to there needs to be more nutrition education in the schools. And then of course, more of these conversations with their doctors and their nurses, because y'all, the nurse practitioners and the nurses at the healthcare clinics and the doctors are all kind of the front line for healthcare for whenever they come in there. And, you know, a lot of times it's overlooked and it's not just because, you know, I don't think it's because they don't care or anything I think it's they come in sick and it's only focused on the sick visit type thing. But it's also, you know, in the hospital setting when we were working there, uh, when I was working there, it's hard on us too in the hospital setting because you only get so much time because you have so many patients to see that day. And so you're just going through and just giving a very quick education and not able to sit down and take the time with them to truly make sure they understand um, what it is. And so people are most of the time just handed a sheet of paper and not taking into the account that people are able to read or not, or able to comprehend what's on that paper. You know, it's difficult to say, you know, where can we start other than in the schools or doing like community outreach and, setting up these classes to kind of help teach people, have them, you know, come in in the communities and 
teach. There's a lot of great programs that do do that. It's just, it's so hard to reach everybody. What Rebecca, what are some of the snacks that are good for children and adults to choose? So what I like to teach people is to choose a quick energy and fiber item. So a fruit, a vegetable, or a whole grain. And then pair it with a healthy protein or a fat. And the reason I like to teach that is when you eat just, we'll take like an unhealthy snack. So a bag of Cheetos is not full of nutrients. So 30 minutes to an hour later after you eat that, you're probably going to be hungry again. But if you take one of those quick energy and fiber items like a fruit, a vegetable, or a whole grain and pair it with a protein or a fat, those proteins and fats help delay the release of that energy when it's digested. And so it makes you feel fuller for longer and helps, you know, keep you energized for longer. And so examples of those could be like a string cheese stick with a couple of crackers. It could be apple and peanut butter. It can be some, this is one of my favorites to do, is like cucumber, carrot, celery sticks. Cut up those into little sticks and then make like a Greek yogurt ranch dip. So you take low-fat Greek yogurt, plain Greek yogurt, and mix in a ranch seasoning packet. And it makes a healthier ranch dip. Yes, I do that with sour cream. Yes, that's really good. And so I have a whole list that, you know, that I give my patients with these options. And then on the back of it, I have, you know, 30 snack ideas. So just a few of them, you could do make your own P3 packs. Um, So have some cheese cubes with nuts and deli meat cubes. You could do the wheat thins and slice of cheese. You could do Greek yogurt with chopped nuts and berries on top. Carrots and cucumber slices with hummus, just because you're getting those quick energy fiber items with that protein and that fat. So what I'm hearing today is education intervention is very important. We need to start doing more incorporating, giving our kids healthier snacks at an early age so that they'll be able to incorporate that when they become a teenager or in adulthood. And also what I'm hearing is we need to have more conversations with our primary care providers about what we are eating and do we need a referral to a dietitian or nutritionist to make sure that the foods that we are eating or the ingredients that we're putting in our food are health friendly. Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. Well, do you have any closing thoughts, Rebecca, for before we close this episode? You know, I think just as if anybody listening that just wants to start eating a healthy diet, the two main things is cutting out the sugar sweetened beverages. So you don't want to drink your calories and your sugar. It's better to eat it. So and then moderation. So making sure we're eating those fruits, those vegetables, the lean proteins whole grains, and then low-fat, non-fat dairy if we're a dairy person. Well, thank you, Miss Rebecca Bagwell, for providing us with this great insight. I know it's going to touch others. And this is the end of our episode on Health is Wealth. I want everybody to have a great day and stay blessed. Thank you. Thank you all for having me.